Our sermon passage today is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, these words were given by your Son to teach us how to follow him. Lord, my prayer today is your people would learn how to follow your Son. Be willing to go with him and set aside all things that might stand in the way, that might distract, that might compete for our love and our allegiance. This is our prayer. 
In Jesus' name, amen. If you haven't done so already, please take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 6 where Ashlyn just read for us. Here at Redeemer, um, we are not currently doing what we normally do, which is working our way straight through a book of the scripture, but we're considering a biblical theme. And this is the theme, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, which quite simply means this. The work of God in the world carried out through his people and among his people such that in due time, the, the whole world would come under the rule and realm and reign of King Jesus. It's the kingdom of God. That's really what the Bible is about. As we've said for weeks, there's no simple definition, no simple single passage that we can point to and say, everything you need to know about the kingdom. We're left to kind of pull some threads. And we've said, like, if, if we're going to build a chair, you want all the legs to be sturdy and strong so you don't fall over. And so what we've seen is the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, tells us to pray for and yearn for the kingdom. John 3 tells us that only those who are born of the Spirit enter the kingdom. John 18 tells us that the kingdom of Jesus is not of this world. Acts 1 tells us that the work of the Holy Spirit is the power for the building of the kingdom in the here and now. And Matthew 5 shows us that there is a greater blessing in following Jesus even though it makes no sense to the world. Now, my more practically driven friends here for six weeks have been like, okay, but what am I supposed to do? I've just been kicking that can down the road, and you've bore with me until today. So here's your answer. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. We good? Okay. Let's go home. I mean, really, intellectually, that's it. Christians born of the Spirit respond to the teaching of the kingdom by seeking the king and by seeking the kingdom that he's building. Intellectually, that's it. But emotionally, that is brutal. Practically, that is brutal. Brutal because all around us are other kings and other kingdoms vying for our allegiance, vying for our love, vying for our obedience. So the challenge of seeking the kingdom is one of actually seeking and two, fighting against all the opponents of the kingdom. So we're going to spend our time today looking into the teaching of Jesus because Jesus gets this. And this passage oozes other kingdoms, other allegiances. Fight against them. Seek me. Other kingdoms, other allegiances. Fight against them. Seek me. And I'm just going to tell you, we're going to go all the way into the hard stuff today such that I might be unemployed next week. 
if you could still send us a Christmas gift at 213 Vintage Circle, Hendersonville, Tennessee, we'd appreciate it if I'm unemployed by then. Okay. There's no agendas here. I want me and my family and us to be a people who are willing to seek Jesus at all costs and are willing to set everything aside for him. Amen, Lord, help us. Because we all say, yeah, 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 I get that. But my challenge, and Spirit of the Lord help me today, is to make sure we get that. We get it. We hear it. We get it. Okay, so if you want to take notes, first point, the calling. What exactly is Jesus calling his followers to? This passage is is within the Sermon on the Mount. So what you have going on is Jesus, very creatively, is on an incline, the Mount. But he's teaching his followers. He's teaching those who desire to follow after him. So ultimately, what's going on in the sermon is Jesus is teaching what it means to be a Christ follower. He's teaching what it means to be a part of his kingdom. And we come to the clear imperative. Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But seek first the kingdom of God his righteousness. The object is the kingdom of Jesus, which is a righteous kingdom because the king is righteous and because his work is righteous. That means right and good and true and praiseworthy and of value. The, the command is to seek after it. Um, the word seek there, it's, it's an imperative. That means a command. Okay? Now, guys, I spend a lot of time up here in sermons making fun of those who love Greek a little too much because it makes us all feel better about ourselves. It's just a form of self-exaltation. But really, it's to make the point that you don't have to be a Greek scholar to understand the Bible. So if you do a a multi-hour deep dive on the word seek, do you know what it means? It means to go look for, to pursue. So all you kids, when I say the word seek, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? Say it out loud. Hide nothing. Okay, thank you. That's great. Um, Hide and seek. Right? The game hide and seek. The seek part's appropriate. The hide part's not because God's not hiding from us, okay? But the seek part is appropriate. Somebody buries their head. They're supposed to count to 100. They skip about 75 of the numbers. They get to 100, and then what do they do? They go look for people. They pursue them. They chase them. They try to find them. They do everything they possibly can to not be left empty-handed without finding somebody, right? Seek. That's what it means. Go do a deep dive. Seek. Actively pursue and seek after Jesus and his kingdom. 
Man, but we Christians who are theologically minded, we create these webs of junk that let us off the hook. I don't care what your theological system says about human activity. And I know that if God didn't seek us first, none of us would ever seek him. But Jesus says, I've already sought you, seek me. I've already found you, now seek my kingdom. Christians, stop making excuses for lethargy and inactivity and apathy. Jesus said, I've redeemed you. I've taken your dead heart and given you a new one. I've put my spirit in you. I've made you alive. All the excuses are gone. That's really what the Bible tells us. Jesus says, seek me and my kingdom. So the first challenge for us is this. The Lord wants his disciples to seek after him and his kingdom, which means to seek all the things that he is seeking. Who was here last week? I actually want to show a hands on this one. Who was here last week? I sent you out of here with homework. It was to read all the Beatitudes multiple times and make no excuses. Just accept them at face value. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Take it all at face value. This is what Jesus is doing. I'll go there with him. That, that's the command. Seek Jesus and all the things that he's going after, okay? Second, seek first. This is an important word here, seek first. First is not a word of exclusion, but a word of priority. Let me say that one more time. I'm going to say it more slowly. First is not a word of exclusion, but a word of priority. So exclusion would mean this. Jesus would be saying, leave the world, leave the things of the world, leave all of your secondary struggles in the past, go to a place where they don't exist and just exist with me. History is called that monasticism. Do you know why that doesn't work? Because your sin and Satan go with you to whatever desert hole you dig. That would be exclusion. Get away from everything, punt it, and just say, the only thing I have is Jesus. Now, anybody here read this this morning and think, Arabian Desert, here I come? Anybody? Now, the first service, I had a couple people back there, like, exchanging passports. So, um, but... Was that anybody's inclination today? Like, like I got to get out of here. I got to get away from all the things. No, no, it wasn't. But I'll tell you the other place, this whole seek first thing, when you think of exclusion, usually it goes like this. Oh, well, there's no way that my only love can be Jesus. So I must be a failure. So I just shut down and quit. Jesus isn't saying the only thing you value in the world is him and his kingdom. He's saying make it the priority. He's not saying the only thing that you have allegiance to in the world is him. He's just saying make it the priority. So really, the seek first is an assumption that we, are, we have other kingdoms all around us vying for our allegiance. 
and that simultaneously we are citizens of multiple kingdoms. We can't punt them off. The question is, how do we elevate Christ and his kingdom above all the other ones? Some kingdoms all around us. We are members of a nation state. By definition, that's a kingdom that vies for our allegiance. There is a thing in America called politics. Anybody familiar with that? By definition, that's a kingdom that vies for our allegiance. Most of us are employed. Our work, our job, our workplace is a kingdom that vies for our allegiance. Most of us are a part of a family. Our family is a unit that vies for our allegiance. Most of us have money and possessions. That's the one that actually shows up here in this passage. Those are things that vie for our allegiance. Most of us are addicted to comfort. That's a pursuit and a reality that vies for our allegiance. Most of us love our hobbies. Our hobbies are cultures that vie for our allegiance. And most of us have a sports team that we love. And by definition, sports fandom is kingdom. Allegiance, wear the outfit, hate the enemy. That's kingdom. And I'm going to tell you, you can keep that. But the kingdom of Jesus has to be your greatest allegiance. That means you all fans have to figure out how to love the Alabama people who are in Christ. And want the ones who are not to come to Christ. That's what we got to figure out. We are all parts of multiple kingdoms. The imperative is to seek first the kingdom of Jesus and his righteousness, which means to say that's our priority, our primary allegiance, our first pursuit, and the one that reshapes all the others, okay? So Matthew 6.33 is not saying don't go to work tomorrow. It's saying Go to work tomorrow in a way that displays that Christ is your greatest allegiance, in a way that testifies to the greatness of Jesus, in a way that says, yeah, I'm going to take a paycheck, but my worth and my value and my hope and my peace and my comfort doesn't come from this place. It comes from Christ. And that's going to go into politics and family and money and comfort and hobbies and all the other things. So if we want to seek first the kingdom, I see two contemporary huge barriers for us. Number one, we must recognize that we are in multiple kingdoms all the time so that we can elevate Christ and his kingdom among the others. If we don't recognize the other kingdoms, then we can't elevate and show Christ as our primary allegiance. They'll be dictating more to us than we want for them to. So one kind of application take home for us is, what are the other kingdoms that I do belong to? How do they vie for my allegiance to Jesus? How can I elevate so that's contemporary challenge number one, is we just don't even notice the other kingdoms. You know why I think that is? 
Because we've had this Puritan mentality pushed on us that, that we can only have one love and we can only have one king and we can only have one kingdom, but then when we feel the other ones coming in, we don't know what to do with it all. You identify them. You, you, you acknowledge what they are and you say, now I'm not going to let this take away my love, my commitment to, my faithfulness, my obedience to Jesus. So, so one of the real enemies on seeking first is being able to identify differing kingdoms around us, okay? Second one, and this is where we're going to get just real, okay? Is when we take multiple kingdoms and multiple allegiances and we merge them such that we can't tell them apart anymore, okay? So if you're listening online, I'm making finger signs here, okay? So if I have two allegiances... And I marry them in such a way that I can't tell them apart anymore, and I forget they're different, then when I elevate one, what happens to the other one? It gets elevated too. And when I deep, when I lower one, what happens to the other one? So the only way we can elevate Christ is to work apart these allegiances. Okay? Now this might sound weird, right? Like you're telling me I'm in multiple kingdoms. Yes. But if you let them merge together where you can't tell them apart anymore, really bad, dangerous stuff happens. Okay? Now, I want to speak from a place of gentle love as much as I can. Okay? The place in our current culture within the church where this happens most is with political identity. It's with political identity. I'm not here to shape your political identity today. I'm here to cause you to love and obey Jesus above your political identity. So, I want to say this as bluntly as I can. The Democratic Party platform is a vision of kingdom. The Republican Party platform is a vision of kingdom. The Libertarian Party platform is a vision of kingdom. The Green Party platform is a vision of kingdom. Did I leave anybody out? You get the point, right? They're all visions of kingdom, of the good life, of the blessed life, of what we need most. And if we take that, whichever one we find our heart beating toward, and we merge that with Jesus and his kingdom such that we can't tell them apart, then probably what's going to be happening is we're going to just be pulling the parts of Jesus that we like into this identity that's not separated. Friends, I'm not telling you to not vote. I'm not telling you to retreat from the political sphere. I'm not telling you to not fight for the future of our country. I'm not telling you to not care about those things. What I'm telling you, though, is be careful that our allegiance to those things doesn't get so married to our allegiance to Jesus that we can't tell them apart. So what would be some ways that you couldn't tell something apart? Well, if... If something you read in the scripture doesn't cause you to rethink these things, 
then they're getting too married, okay? If I can't step out, like if I can't take a step towards someone who is hurting and in need because that might not be in keeping with the the conventions of this other allegiance, then they've gotten merged up too much, okay? Here's another one. If your favorite news platform went off of the air for a month, could you open the Bible and figure out how to navigate day-to-day circumstances in our world? If not, we're getting these things merged up too much because what Jesus is doing is where we need to go, okay? So here's the call. It's not to retreat from the world. It's not to be unpolitical. It's not to be apolitical. It's not to care about politics. It's just not to merge Jesus with any of these visions of America, Because the kingdom of Jesus transcends our nation. It transcends our future. And the kingdom of Jesus will never fail. But he doesn't need us. We can pray for his blessing. We can pursue his blessing. We can long for his blessing. But we got to separate these things so that we can elevate Christ. And we're all guilty of that. All of us. So as a pastor and as a church, we don't want to be apolitical. We want to be allegiant to Jesus. I'm an ambassador of one kingdom. It's the one Jesus is building. And you know what 2 Corinthians 5 says? You are too. We're all the ambassadors of one kingdom. Now, guys... Y'all are all like, oh man, we've gone. No, this is, this is me trying to say this is what happens when we can't separate the allegiances. We have to separate them so that we can elevate what matters most. Then within all the other realms, all the other allegiances, maybe you're here and you're an elected official. Awesome. I'm glad you're here. But in, within all those other realms, we say, God put me here as an ambassador of the greater kingdom. My work is to testify that this kingdom will disappoint you, but there's a greater one. That this kingdom will not last forever, but there's one that will. This king will not last forever, will not satisfy you, will not keep his word to you, but there's one who will. We move all about these secondary kingdoms as ambassadors of the primary one. That's the message. Seek first means make Jesus First. So how do I do that? We follow Jesus into the world and join Jesus in the things that we see him doing and the things that he tells us to do. Jamie, that's hard since, you know, Jesus isn't here. Acts 1, he said, I've left the Spirit to lead you to build my kingdom in the world. So we follow Jesus by following the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 and Galatians 5, among many places, tell you exactly how the Spirit is working in you and leading you. Well, but I mean, how do I know the difference between the Spirit and indigestion? And eh? The Spirit is going to lead us toward the word of the Lord. The Spirit is going to lead us toward all the commands of the New Testament. All of them. Not just the ones we like, not just the ones that fit our spheres of influence, but 
all of them. So we seek the kingdom by seeking Jesus, by following the spirit, by taking up the scripture, and by saying, Lord, I am yours. You are greater. Let's go where we need to go. And there's nothing all around here that I'm not willing to lay behind because I want to pursue you and your kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All right. There's way more that we need to think about in like three minutes to do it. Second point, practically seeking. This passage wasn't given to us just kind of out of the air. Like it's just this ethereal statement. Like like Jesus placed it in a context that shows he knew about humanity. He knew about humanity. And really what the passage does is it gives us three diagnostic questions to know Am I seeking Christ or why am I unwilling to seek Christ? Question number one comes from verse 19 through 21. What do I value most? What do I value most? Verse 21 says this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When the Bible says heart, it's not talking Valentine's Day. It's talking the whole of your being. What you treasure, that's where you're going to go. So Jesus says, look, if you lay up for yourself treasures on earth, two things are going to happen. They're going to fade away and disappoint you, and you're not going to seek my kingdom. But if you lay up for yourself treasures with me and with the things of me, it will last forever, and you will be seeking me. What you love, you will pursue. So the question is, Do I value Christ? Where do I value Christ? And where do I not value Christ? Seeking the kingdom is a question of love. Second, what allegiances compete with my allegiance to Jesus the King? I didn't say, are there any? I'm assuming there are because we live among multiple kings and multiple kingdoms. Metaphorically speaking, what allegiances compete for my allegiance to Jesus? This is verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, he doesn't say you can't have Jesus and have money. He says you can't serve Christ and serve money. Something's got to be elevated and something's got to be subservient. So if we're going, again, we have to separate them and elevate them. If we're going to elevate them, we have to ask our question, what's competing? What's competing? Is it politics? Love of political things? Is it work? Is it overly elevating your family? Is it possessions? Is it the pursuit of comfort and hedonistic joy? Is it your hobbies? Is it your allegiance to your favorite sport team? What is it? Like, what is the, oh, I left sin out. Is it sin? Not if, but what are the the allegiances competing with Christ for your love? Third question, this comes from verse 25. What does my worry teach me about what I love? What does my worry teach me about what I love? 
Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. All right, now, in every family, there's somebody who does all the logistics. And that's the one who gets up every morning and says, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Does everybody have clothes, right? Every family's got one. And one of you's looking at your toes, and the other one's like, uh-huh, yeah. And the kids have no idea that this is what it takes to make a family go. But the one who does it, look at me. The Lord knows that you do it. He knows that you need it. But the question is, do you trust him to provide it, or does it consume you because your worry is your worship? Friends, what you worry about is what you love the most. It's your precious. It's your thing that if it got taken away from you, you would, you think you would fall apart. So Jesus says, look, the birds of the air, they get what they need, and you're of more value than them. The lilies of the field, they get what they need, and you're of more value than them. Your, your worrying doesn't accomplish anything. Verse 32, making these things what you love the most, it just fails you. The only way to move forward and be cared for and be provided for and not be consumed is to seek after Jesus. So the diagnostic question is, what does my worry teach me about what I So if we want to seek the kingdom, I'm saying, number one, read this passage, meditate on this passage, and, and, and wrestle with these three diagnostic questions that are about motive. What do I value? What allegiances compete with Jesus? And what does my worry teach me about my love and my allegiances? Next, and this one, this one is going to be just rocket science. Next, just get started seeking the kingdom. Just get started seeking the kingdom. Because here's what, here's, what, here's what Satan just doesn't want us to seek Jesus. He'll flip us upside down however he needs to. So here's what a bunch of us are thinking right now. Oh, okay, so I'm going to get the best three books on the market about the kingdom. And I'm going to read those. And then I'm going to write a strategic five-year plan about how I'm going to seek the kingdom. And then I'm going to share that over dinner with my wife and my kids. And, and then after all that's done, we'll get started. But you know what that means? You're never going to seek Jesus. The way to seek the kingdom is just start seeking the kingdom. Lord, help me look at you. Help me pursue you. Help me value you. Lord, I'm just going to open my Bible. I don't know if you're going to meet with me or not, but you, that, you, I, I hear this is your word. I'm just going to open it and read it, and I hope you're going to meet with me. Lord, I hate my job, but I'm going to go on in there today, and I'm going to pursue this, but I'm going to believe that you sent me here to be an ambassador, and I'm just going to ask you to help me figure out even what that looks like and means. Like Maybe I need to get out my dictionary and look up the word ambassador because I don't even know what that means. But I'm like, I'm just going to do something to seek you. I'll tell you a, 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 an applicatory way this played out in my life. About 15 years ago, I was an associate pastor at a job similar to Austin's um, at a church that had doubled in size in 18 months. 
So logistical chaos, chaos. And then the elders came and they said, hey, we're going to build this new $3 million building and you're in charge. And so like, I came in one day and I had like papers stacked this high, like all over my desk. Because this was before everything was, you know, digitized. And, um, and so I was like, I got I to gotta do something. So I bought the book, David Allen, Getting Things Done. I'm going to find the perfect system for efficiency. And then I, I did the system, so I sorted all my papers in today and tomorrow and this week and this month and this year. And after a week, I got home and told my wife, I was like, I'm, I'm feeling a lot better. She said, oh, really? Like, what did you do? I was like, I figured out what I needed to do. And I came back to work the next day, and there were papers on top of my neatly sorted papers. So this goes on and goes on, and finally I just get frustrated, and I take all the papers, literally, and I just throw them in the floor, and I get out a note card, and I'm like, what are the three things I have to do before I go home today? They were done by lunchtime. What are the next three things I have to do before I get home today? They were done before I went home. Look, I'm not here for an efficiency seminar, guys. I don't really care about all that, except to say that sometimes in life and always in things of the Spirit, you just got to get going. The Lord's going to shape us as we follow him. He's going to shape us as we keep in step with him. So just do something by faith to seek the kingdom. So I would say this. Seeking the kingdom means following Jesus by following the Spirit, by following the Word of God. Those three things work together. Get started today. Pursue Christ in such a way that you would seek a greater obedience to Jesus in your own life. That you would seek to Share and testify to the love and mercy of Jesus and the greatness of his kingdom and seek to expand the kingdom. Battle against the things clamoring for your allegiance. And then take the Lord's prayer seriously. Pray then this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is heaven. And then notice the next thing, by the way, just to make a little fun connection. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Ties back to the Lord's provision. Pray earnestly and believe that the Lord will be with you because he loves you as you seek first his kingdom. I'm going to leave you with two scriptures. Verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's real encouraging, Jamie. Thanks. Here's your note card. Seek Jesus. Really do it. It's all you can handle today. We'll figure out what that means tomorrow, tomorrow, and then the next day. Haggai chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. The Lord spoke to his people. 
Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst, fear So when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, he's not saying if you seek me, I'll give you everything you want. He's not saying if you seek me, your life will be a carefree vacation. He's saying if you seek me, your life will be cared for by me and sustained by me. That's our faith. That's our hope. Now, what we need then is a bigger vision of Jesus I think that's why there's a thread throughout this passage that I hadn't even touched on. The eye is the lamp of the body. What you see will illuminate you. Remember all the good things the Father's done. What we need is a bigger vision of Jesus the King. So, our Advent sermon series for the next few weeks is going to be about Jesus the King. Who is he? Why is he good? Why is he worth pursuing? Why does he evoke trust to seek his kingdom? That's what we're going to wrestle with over the coming weeks. So our Father and our God. Would you teach us your word? And would you cause us to walk in your ways? Would you cause us to set aside all other things? Lord, none of us is unprompted today. Work in us, we pray, for the glory of Jesus.